Hello everybody. I welcome you to our quarter one 2021 result and interims report together with our group CFO Roland. If you look into the key highlights for that quarter, we had a solid order intake, revenue was as expected, and with that a EBITDA margin of 5.1%. That margin was positively impacted by a higher service share and the first or the results out of the business improvement activities from the last one year. The quarter showed quite a positive cash flow and with that a reduction in the net debt. And our reshaping of cement industry continues, which means to make it profitable again and positioning it into the green cement agenda. If we then look into the market, we have definitely a short-term recovery in mining as an expectation. In cement, it will be a mid-term recovery. And we have clearly in the first half of this year, quite a significant impact still from the pandemic. Out of that, we keep our guidance maintained. And the quarter one actually proved that, that we will fulfill the midterm of the guidance in the revenue as well as in the margin. Now to look into the mining market. Mining is in a commodity growth cycle. That's clear. It's a positive outlook. It's driven by the different investments of the governments around the world with the big packages, as well as underlying with a huge movement into what we call the green transition. That drives a significant mineral demand. At the same time, some of the commodities struggle with supply. That, of course, creates high commodity prices, and we have high levels, which is very positive and another indicator of a growth cycle in the mining industry. But at the same time, we see a strong correlation between the pandemic and the business activities. And the pandemic is more and more a country-specific, a geography-specific thing. Out of that, to manage the pandemic, to manage the mine sites, and to manage the huge demand for supply, large capital investments, any kind of disturbance is deferred and postponed. If we then look to ourselves and that, our local organizations, our regional structure definitely supports us very much in that pandemic. And in that line, our agile supply chain gives us a lot of opportunities to maneuver in these critical times. If we look to the right side regarding the mining revenue, we are down 7% on organic uh, on growth, that means minus 7%. And when you look into service and capital, service is down 4% and capital is down 24%. If you take into these figures the currency, then service is more or less on the same level as we had it in the Q1 2020. Out of that combined, we delivered a 8.8% EBITDA margin for the mining business out of a 7.3% what we had in quarter one 2020. Now we look into the order intake. And in the order intake on the left side of the slide, let me start with the overall. It's a minus 31% versus quarter one 2020. Service is 6% down versus last year. And the capital is 48% down. But when we look into the capital, we had several large orders last year in the figures. And actually the base orders 
in, that means smaller orders, below 200 million, substitution equipment and so on, actually in this quarter, uh, quarter one, 2021, amount to more or less double to that what we had last year at the same period. Organically, it was a minus 27% growth what we had in the order intake in mining. If you then look to the right side of the slide, from quarter one 2019 to quarter one 2021, you clearly see that the pandemic in quarter two, quarter three, partly in quarter four two, had an impact on our order intake. And that, of course, is what we will see then as an effect in the revenue already in quarter one, but so in quarter two and in the year 2021. But it's definitely with the result out of the quarter one, a step in the right direction out of that pandemic situation and back into the growth cycle. If we out of mining, look then into cement. Cement already moved with a low business activity into the pandemic, but the pandemic in itself gave another step down. And that step down was quite significant. Despite that, sustainability and digitalization is definitely what all the customers, if they invest anything, ask for. There is the same, exactly the same in cement as well as in mining, the strong correlation between the pandemic situation in a geography and the business activities. And it's so close to correlation that you actually can say in the moment when restrictions open up, we have better business activities and vice versa. Out of that situation, that cement is very sensitive to any local crisis, as well as the uncertainty of their end market, no matter that the big investment packages from the different governments around the world will come. Of course, big investments, capital investment, OPEX investment, as much as they can do, they defer. The same in cement as well as in mining for our structure, our region structure, our local service organizations, as well as our agile supply chain, helps us a lot to be still strong on our customers. If you then look to the right side, we have a minus 23% organic uh, growth in the revenue. It's minus 15% in service and minus 41% in capital. And that is, of course, clearly a result out of the order intake behavior, what we saw in the middle towards the end of last year. Our EBITDA was negative. It was minus 1.7%, and we couldn't repeat the one positive 1.8% from quarter one 2020. If we then look into the order intake, we had a plus 7% order intake versus quarter one 2020, which is definitely a positive highlight. The main contribution here was a 29% growth on the capital part, which then brought us from the 464 to 598, which is a good movement. If you then look to the right side, where we track from quarter 119 to quarter 121, you see that we are actually now having two quarters in a row where our uh, revenue is lower than our order intake, which of course we like to see. The other thing what you see is that we in service move step by step out of the pandemic. Both is positive, but as you see too, if you look towards the 2000, beginning of 2019, we are definitely a step down in the cement industry towards the years before 
2019, but higher than we were at the low points in the year 2020. Out of that, I would like to give to Roland for the financial performance. Thank you for that, Thomas. <clears throat> and let's just have a quick glance at the group's financial performance for Q1 21. So as Thomas uh, mentioned, order intake uh, down by 19% and our revenue is uh, down organically 13% compared to the same quarter last year. We managed to improve our gross margins and also with lower SDNA costs, our EBITDA margin ended at 5.1 versus 5.0 at the, the same quarter last year. And clearing uh, financial costs and taxes, uh, a net uh, profit for, uh, for the group of 54 million for the quarter. If we look a little bit at our revenue, revenue uh, <coughs> was uh, the lowest for, for some quarters and decreased 13% organically. But good news here is that uh, our service uh, revenue now equals 65% uh, of uh, the total revenue pie versus 58% in the same quarter uh, last year. And uh, also, uh, we managed to improve our gross margin. Gross margin is now 25.2% uh, for the quarter versus 23.1% in the same quarter last year. And also up 1.1% uh, compared to uh, Q4 in 2020. And on the right-hand side here, uh, we see that uh, actually both our industries, both mining and cement, managed to improve uh, gross margin. Both industries uh, managed to improve their service share of uh, total revenue that is supporting margins. Uh, and that is despite uh, relatively low uh, travel level in both industries. And also uh, the impact of our business improvement program from last year uh, had its uh, positive uh, impact to, uh, to the gross margin. If you look at our SGNA cost, uh, they decreased by 11% to 648 million. Uh, this is predominantly driven by our business improvement activities from last year and also uh, some lower travel cost levels. If we look a little bit uh, forward, SGNA costs are expected to uh, creep up uh, a little bit as we will continue our cement reshaping and uh, also our ongoing uh, M&A activities uh, are being uh, expensed here. Um, if we then jump to, uh, to the EBITDA margin uh, slide here, EBITDA margins are, are largely unchanged at 5.1% versus 5% uh, same quarter uh, last year. And if we look at the, the bridge on, uh, on the right-hand side, um, Obviously, the, uh, uh, the drop in, in revenue here is a, a, a contributor to the reduced EBITDA level, but um, our efforts in, in improving the gross margin is yielding an additional uh, 81 million, uh, supported by both the business improvement activity, but also a, a larger service share. And a decrease in SGNA and the other bucket, supported primarily by, by business improvement activities and also somewhat lower travel costs adds uh, positively 68 million to, uh, to the EBITDA and we will end the quarter with 190 million DKK uh, EBITDA uh, for 21. And uh, <clears throat> if we then jump to the development on our networking capital, uh, that improved for, uh, for the fourth uh, consecutive quarter in a row, both in nominal terms uh, to about 1.6 uh, billion, but also the networking capital ratio 
as a percentage of last 12 months revenue uh, continued the, the positive trends uh, downwards. And if we look at the right-hand side, uh, uh, this quarter was uh, positively impacted by prepayments from customers that needs to be seen in connection with uh, clearance of, of certain payables on, on those projects and also work in progress. And also we had reduced the uh, utilization of uh, our supply chain financing. But in combination with the strong focus by, by the organization on receivables, uh, networking capital uh, improved by 74 million uh, for the quarter, uh, a, a result we are quite content with. And moving to uh, the cash flow, uh, we are then uh, uh, posting an, another positive uh, cash flow for the quarter. And if we look at the right-hand side, a cash flow from operations on group level of 285 million, DKK, and we invested uh, 53 million, which is a little bit uh, low, primarily due to, to timing. Uh, and adjusted for uh, a few small technical things, we, uh, uh, we post a free cash flow for quarter one of 232 million. Uh, and that, on the next slide, leads us to uh, be well in line with our capital structure uh, targets. Equity ratio is above uh, 40% and uh, the free cash flow, with the free cash flow, we reduced our net interest bearing debt to 1.577 billion. And this is uh, also after having cleared dividend payouts uh, to our shareholders as approved on the AGM in uh, Q1. Also, our leverage ratio here reduced from 1.6x by uh, the end of 2020 to 1.4x uh, coming out of uh, Q1. Um, and that uh, leads us to uh, the guidance slide. And let me just add a little bit of, of color to that. Uh, we maintain our full year guidance with a revenue of uh, 15.5 to 17 billion and an EBITDA margin of, of 5 to 6%. And when we communicated the, ga the guidance back in February when we uh, released our annual report, we assumed a pandemic impact throughout first half. And this is definitely still the case. Since then, uh, the pandemic uh, has gone from bad to worse in certain parts of the world, especially South America, Chile, Peru, Brazil, and especially in India. And this will impact activity levels in Q2 and potentially into Q3. These are areas of the world where we have uh, significant commercial and operational uh, activity. When we then get towards the second half of the year, exactly as we said in February, we assume uh, that the top line will start growing again, especially in mining, uh, but with an increasing share of uh, capital revenue. Cement reshaping will continue according to our plans, expectedly with, with higher share of costs in the coming uh, two quarters relative to Q1. And when those... Uh, uh, comments in, in mind, and uh, on the back of a Q1, lastly as expected, we maintain and reiterate our full year guidance. And with that, back to Thomas. Thanks, Roland. Um, as a leading solution provider into mining and cement industry, leading in mission zero, leading in sustainability, of course, we show what our own performance is. This quarter, I would like to highlight the achievements during the quarter. We have approved decarbonization targets for FH Schmidt by the science-based target initiative. 
we joined the copper mark, an international framework established from the copper industry to demonstrate responsible production practices. And that makes us, especially in management, unbelievably proud of our organization all around the world in very difficult times, in very partly in very difficult and challenged geographies. We had a lost time injury frequency rate of 0.1. For the ones who follow us longer, our ambition is to be on nil. And an 0.1 is already very, very close to it and an outstanding performance in a very yeah, challenging, volatile time. Well done. If we then look into innovation and again a sustainability part, this time in mining, it's about a new automatic filter press. Standard regular filter presses recover between 85 to 87% of the process water. Here with that new highly digitalized unit, we are able to recover 93 to 95% of the process water. Not only that it has a fantastic good sustainability water-related impact for the miners, for the customers utilizing that technology. It has on top of it a significant reduced downtime by an improved design. Both contributes to higher productivity and with that to higher profitability of our customers utilizing that technology. When we then look into the key message what we have to send. We had a cash focus and we delivered. Our business improvement activities delivered the result too. We had a sequential improvement in the order intake. Both is based on a strong management culture and a strong organization around the world. Our regional setup, our agile supply chain has proven beneficial for our business. And we see great opportunities within the digital and the sustainable solutions. On the other side, we see continued negative impact from the pandemic. Countries like in Latin America, India, these are outbreaks or new waves just appeared here in the quarter. And we foresee that we will have geographies in the future where that will happen again and again. So our forecast for this year that we see a significant impact of the pandemic up to the middle of the year is actually from our point of view proven right. We see midterm recovery for cement and especially in the green cement which is a demand of high tech in cement and we go on with our reshaping to improve profitability and to position us there. Our focus is to navigate through the pandemic. The customers, cash, cost and pricing are in high focus. We further strengthen our cement as well as strengthening our mining setup in the organization. And M&A, of course, like the discussions what we have with ThyssenKrupp about their mining business, is on the list. Ongoing is our mission zero ambition to fulfill that, as well as to be innovative and digitalizing as much as we can, and that on top of standardization. To look into the Q1, we had a positive 
um, we have a positive outlook for mining. Definitely significant more positive short term than for cement. Cement will recover in the midterm. Our order intake and revenue declined year on year, but was a solid quarter. We had an EBITDA margin of 5.1%. We reduced again networking capital and net debt. And out of that, what we said, we are very confident to stay in the midpoint of the guidance and the revenue as well as in the profitability. And with that, we would like to go to the Q&A. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for the speakers, please press zero one on your telephone keypad and you'll enter a queue. After you are announced, please ask a question. Our first question comes from the line of Artem Tokarenko from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Oh, yes. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking my questions. Um, I have a couple, please. Uh, my first question is... Um, um, around your messaging, I guess, um, uh, when we were at the end of the Q4, you were sort of uh, guiding to a broadly flat H1-21 versus H2 last year. Then throughout the quarter, the message has been much weaker on um, sequentially weaker results in Q1 and Q2. Um, so I guess my question is, what has changed throughout the quarter? Where have you seen major improvements? And keep in mind that there has been results are much better than uh, your recent message. Um, sh should we take this as Q2 and Q3? Um, some of the weakness will be postponed towards Q2 and Q3, or that's not what we should expect? Yeah, at first, thanks, uh, Akim, for that question. Um, actually, the message what we send is that what we fulfilled if it comes to the revenue and the EBITDA. Because we had a actually quite low revenue in the quarter, one of the lowest, if not the lowest, for several years. A 3.7 is not a great result, to make that fairly outspoken. Then a 5.1 is in line with the guidance, but that is what we said. We see throughout the year with the pandemic impact that we are in between the 5 to 6%. Um, coming back to the revenue, if you take that times four, we are not in the revenue guidance. We are below that. So it's from, from that point of view fully fulfilled. Where we were slightly better than expected was in the order intake. And that came out in March where we think in service there was a kind in the mining industry of a restocking event. And we saw that in some countries when they opened up, for two weeks, we had that in Latin America, then they stocked up and then it was shut down again. So the pandemic has a big impact in, uh, in the quarter and will have a big impact in the quarter two, too. Uh, right, okay. Uh, maybe I ask differently. Uh, could you talk a little bit about sustainability of your margins in the mining business? How should we think about progression of mining margin throughout the year? And maybe more broadly on the group level, um, how, should, how do you see phasing of revenues and margins throughout the rest of the year to get to the midpoint of your, of your guidance, please? Yeah. So thank you for that, uh, Artem. I think for, uh, for, uh, for Q1, uh, you know, we were the margins were supported by by business improvement activities and also by a uh, healthy uh, service service level. And uh, moving into uh, into Q2 and considering the pandemic development in, in in areas of the world that are important for us, 
I think uh, you know, sidestepping into Q2 uh, activity-wise is, is a fair assumption. And also we assume that the cement reshaping activities will be more uh, costly in Q3 and potentially also Q3 than we saw it in, in Q1. So that is, that is a few uh, data points to that. In, in, in second half, uh, we still assume that uh, mining will start grow again. And uh, that will be with a larger capital share than you have seen in, in, in Q1, Q2. And obviously that will weigh down on our margin expectations. So that's, that's how you should think about, uh, about the year. Right. Um, so just to check as a follow-up to this question, in terms of the very strong margins in Q1, um, uh, is it fair to say that some of maybe the phasing of order backlog was different to what you expected and some of the maybe bigger capital orders took longer to deliver and hence the mix was better or it's a wrong, uh, wrong assessment? Yeah, no, actually not. Um, we, we guided on and we informed as much as we saw it and very transparent that we actually saw in the first half of the year a significant weaker business activity versus the second half of the year based on the pandemic. The thing what we see is, and we measure that with a very high data point density, the thing what we see is in the moment when an area opens up, our business activity immediately jumps up and vice versa. That correlation is so, I never saw in the business such a strong correlation. So out of that, um, we have up to the middle of the year. That is what we foresee, still a significant impact of the pandemic. And that is calculated in, and that is actually what we see. We think with the what we see now in Latin America, what we see in India, proven as we forecasted for the year. Okay, understood. Thank you. And, and my last question, um, and apologize for taking too much of your time, but my last question is uh, on uh, mining capital business um, uh, and services business. Um, I guess you had 200 million large order, but the base uh, level order intake was very strong. So could you maybe talk a little bit about how you see sustainability of these levels of order intake in Q2 and Q3? Thank you. Yeah. It is at first, as I said, the pandemic has an impact. If we have assessed to the sides, then we can negotiate and discuss with the customer how to improve supply, how to improve productivity. And then these space orders are coming in relatively good because mining is in a growth cycle. They have good commodity prices. They have a very good outlook. And we have a fantastic good offering for them. If we are not allowed to go in, that will be very low to nil. Then um, we work with the miners to uh, replace some of the equipment, if we are allowed to be on site, to replace some of the equipment to ensure that they can go on to supply, in a lot of cases, over the 100% capacity what they normally have on the site. So that we go fast and replace smaller equipment and then go out again that we are not disturbing the supply a lot. So the base orders is actually based on that predominantly. How do we see that going forward? We think towards the end of the year that will be a good business, definitely. We have to see how the impact of the pandemic up to the middle of the year is. This order intake same like with service, is a reflection of the opening or closing down of the assess of the sites. Actually both, in cement and in mining. 
Understood. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Our next, our next question comes from the line of William Ashman from JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, taking my uh, questions. Um, I just had a question on your sort of mining EBITDA guidance where you're saying that it will grow in the H2 this year. Um, just given that we've already seen growth in Q1, I'm just trying to think what that implies for Q2. I mean, are we expecting a fairly weak, you know, top line in Q2 and therefore EBITDA just to make that guidance uh, make sense? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, William. I think um, so, so important to, uh, to uh, understand here is that, that we had a relatively high share of service in uh, mining in Q1, and that positively impacted uh, the margin. Now, moving forward, uh, mining will also be impacted by, uh, by COVID, especially Q2, potentially into Q3. And then from there on, we expect growth to come back also in mining. But we have a large, uh, relatively large uh, order backlog uh, that came in last year that we will start to execute on uh, Q2, Q3, and then coming through the year into 22. And that will change the relative uh, relation of revenue in mining between capital and service. And that will weigh down on the average margin. And that's why the, when we guided uh, in February, we said that mining for the year will be high single-digit EBITDA margins. And that still stand throughout the year. Okay, that's clear. Um, I just had a follow-up on the uh, previous question around the sort of order sustainability in mining going forward. Um, so uh, from what I understand, there was some restocking and maybe a bit of pre-ordering ahead of anticipated lockdowns in some key markets. And... Can, I would expect this to then reverse in the Q2, given these markets won't be as open as possible. Um, is, is that a fair way to look at it? I think that's a fair assumption. That's clear. Um, I take only now India as an example. Uh, the, the situation in India actually started at the beginning of April. That means at the beginning of quarter two. We have similar situations, not that traumatic, but with lockdown and restrictions in Latin America in several areas. And Latin America for us, especially in mining, is very, very important. So we see clearly that correlation. And we know when we deliver such a solid quarter that we have to inform very much in detail why that looks actually um, quite strong here and there and that we are cautious towards the middle of the year. But we are in line with that what we said um, actually in the quarter four announcement that the pandemic versus business, the correlation is unbelievably close. On the day, and we measure that, on the day when we get an opening, we have more business activities. On the day where we have a shutdown and the customer decides to limit the assess to the site, we immediately see that it goes down. And that is what we forecast and we think we are and we see that we are proven with our forecast. Okay, thank you. Um, and just one final question for me is just on the 70 million of costs that were outlined in cement. I think 40 million were taken in 2020, um, but you you haven't you know given a, a Q1 number. I'm just wondering how much was taken in the Q1 and how much should we 
think about it for sort of Q2 and Q3. Yeah, so so we are not really uh, disclosing the one-offs now, but we we are saying that uh, cement will be a negative for the year, and we are also saying that the reshaping uh, cost uh, in Q3 and Q uh, uh, Q2 and Q3 will be more than in uh, Q1. So you should think about the cement losses to be uh, uh, um, you know more losses in 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 Q2 and in Q3 compared to Q1. Okay, understood. Thank you very much. Thank you, William. Our next question comes from the line of Magnus Kruger from UBS. Please go ahead. Hi, Thomas Roland Magnus here. A couple of questions for me as well. And following up on Artem's question originally on, on, on revenues, could you help us a bit with uh, how the revenue recognition trended through the quarter and if your ability to invoice or finalize projects improved towards the end of the quarter and, and into Q2? I think my understanding as well was that somewhat concerned about invoicing in Q1 due to lower backlog and COVID and so on. Yes. Uh, Magnus, thanks a lot for that question. Um, at first, from a business point of view regarding the revenue, um, of course, we have to have assessed to the site, otherwise it's not, not revenue. And for our larger projects, we see actually quite a lot of them postponed since the pandemic actually started. So the, the low revenue, what we had actually in quarter one as a result out of that. Where we can supply quick, we try to do that. And normally quick supply is more towards the service part than towards the capital part. Um, and that, that drives what we see for the year. That's actually the reason why we say that this year, uh, the normal seasonality, what we have a week quarter one in top line and then a strong quarter two, a weaker quarter three and a very strong quarter four is broken. Is broken. That will not happen in quarter two. That is not what we see because the pandemic doesn't allow us to do that. If it comes to the mining part, it is unbelievable healthy industry to be in. And that is, that is, of course, what we have to maneuver when we inform you. On one side, we have a big demand. We have a good hot list. All looks great in that mining industry. On the other side, if we can't act because we are limited in the assess and so on, then, of course, it will not end up in our figures. And that is what we, what we guide on and what we say. So out of that, we didn't see an increase in revenue activity uh, actually towards the end of the quarter so much. It was in the order intake where we had, especially in Latin America, two weeks where it opened up, we could supply some service and we got actually quite activity then on the service order intake. Okay, got it. Thank, thank you very much, Thomas. And I think, Roland, you said something about sidestepping on revenues in Q2 from Q1. Could you, could you clarify that comment, please? I said something. So, sorry, can you repeat that? Uh... Yeah, I think to Artem's question before, you said something about sidestepping on revenues from Q1. Yeah, so what we're saying is, uh, obviously, if there was an element of restocking by the end of March, you would expect that to, uh, to be taken out a, a little bit of, of uh, April. And also, uh, the pandemic impact to Q2, uh, you know, in, in, in regions that are important to us, will, is, is, is what Thomas is talking about, uh, a broken seasonality. So, so we won't expect a, a, a significant pickup in Q2, and that's what I call sidestepping. So uh, an activity level in Q2, uh, similar to the one we, we saw in, in, in Q1. 
And then in addition, you know, accelerated activities on the cement reshaping, um, then I think you, you have what you need for, for revenue and also margin uh, uh, modeling. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and just one final one. Can you talk a bit about the, the, um, the impact you expect on, on, on margins from the invoicing on, on, the, on the larger projects in mining as they come through into the, into the second half? Any, any help there would be very useful. Uh, yeah, impact of margin. Uh, but when we're talking about the capital and service split, uh, you know, our margins on service are considerably higher than it is on, on capital. But there's no, there's no other significant change in that compared to what it was last year. So, so just the fact that our revenue composition in second half will be more to capital as we see it now means that the average margin uh, you know, will be, will be uh, subdued from that. Is, that. is that the question? Yeah, but it, it, you also... Yeah, but you also have a larger proportion, yes, not capital, but also from the from the project business. So it's interesting to see what yeah. what those larger orders will have an impact on, like what what the what the project project yes. margins are effectively. Yeah. Of course, uh, there is purely mathematically. Uh, there is on one side the uh, the pro as we call it the product mix between capital and service, which has if capital goes up a negative impact on the contribution margin, cross margin part. But, of course, you get leverage into the cost structure because you drive normally then a higher volume. But that only takes off if you are really higher in the revenue. And we have to see how that develops then towards the end of the year. What we calculated in, actually, um, based on that, what we have in the order backlog, what we have in the contracts with the milestone deliveries and the expected activity level quarter by quarter, led us to the overall revenue guidance of 15.5 to 17 billion. That is what, to, what is calculated in. Um, to get a positive, uh, more than normal positive effect on the EBITDA, you significantly have to deliver higher volume. We had that at the end of 2019, I think, where we had a huge, especially in cement, a huge revenue come in with more or less the same cost structure, which was very positive on the profitability line. Do we foresee that in, uh, in any quarter this year? Not in that magnitude. Not in that magnitude. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our, our next question comes from the line of Michael Peterson from SAB. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh, the first one goes to the, the restocking effect you mentioned a couple of times. Can you try to quantify this? No. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, we have, it's not restructuring, it's reshaping. And reshaping has two elements. And we talk here cement. Restocking. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't get you. Oh. Oh, sorry. Restocking. The restocking is actually... Restocking, yes, or pre-ordering. Yes. What happened is, or what we see in the mining industry um, is, uh, and partly in cement too, in some areas, of course, they produce. And in cement, they didn't want to invest, and in mining, they couldn't invest based on restrictions, no matter that they had the money. Then in area like Chile, Peru, which is very important for us, opens up, and they know that there is a high risk that they shut down again. So then they, then they go in and ask immediately, what all can you supply? Can you come over and doing that? And that's the restocking. And we had that effect in the second half of March. 
That is what we see. That's a restocking effect in it. Uh, okay, I, I was asking if you couldn't quantify it, let's say like millions or can't. percentages. That granularity we, we can't give. Sorry. Okay. Uh, then maybe um, a question regarding uh, the business improvement. Uh, can you try to quantify that for, for Q1? I know last year you had 15% uh, million in savings, 53 million in cost, uh, netting out for 40 million. Uh, so in Q1, uh, 2021, what is the positive effect from the business improvement program? So we're not really uh, quantifying that, but it's significantly less, Michael. We will, uh, we will leave it at that. Significantly less. Um, and the, the cement business, uh, which is the one we're talking about here, is, is, is negative by 23 million. And uh, it'll be more negative in, uh, in Q2. Um, yeah. What we can say is, um, in that respect, uh, the reshaping, and that is what I actually started before with, the reshaping has two elements in it. One is to improve profitability, and we really target to be positive in cement next year again, to make that very outspoken. The other part is to reposition cement, because the green cement with a lot of sustainability digitalization in it is not only that you go into a new demand area, you have to let other things go. And that is um, like operation maintenance contracts and so on. Things which are not contributing in the future to our mission zero, you have to let go. We announced that we sold some product lines, some businesses around Christmas. That's all in that reshaping. So if this is not a pure cost improvement program where we then normally report the figures on it, this is a bigger thing. We move cement out of the regular limestone, high CO2 contributing business into the leading sustainability, green technology, building material supplier. That is actually what we do. And that is more than only cost out or uh, getting things more simple and so on. It has a big element of innovation. It has a big element of education uh, and so on. Okay, thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Nick Housen from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my question. I have a couple. Uh, my first one is about the mining order backlog. Uh, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, how do you see the mining order backlog in comparison to the beginning of previous upcycles? Um, and then within that backlog, um, uh, how big is the proportion of large orders within that? And, and by backlog, sorry, I also mean pipeline, you know, the, the non-recognized orders. Yeah, it's actually a very good question. And if you take previous cycle, I actually have to go quite a long time back, uh, which is the so-called super cycle, uh, what we had 10, 10 years ago. Um, what we see is, um, at first, this growth cycle, what we have in front of us, is not driven by one country. It is driven by two main elements in mining. One is the COVID and all the special investments, what the governments do around the world. There is a lot of direct and indirect commodity and cement driven business in it, which is very positive in the mid to long term. No question mark. And the other one is the green transition. 
And the green transition means more digitalization, more electrification, more green energy with new grids and so on. And that drives especially the copper, for example. And that is, from our point of view, more solid, better, long-term, longer-lasting than actually the China development-driven supercycle. Why is that important? Because we look, of course, always half a cycle ahead, very detailed. Half a cycle is roughly five years. And if you have a super cycle, then you have a super downturn too. And here we have a solid growth cycle, which then will be not that dramatic peak and drop as we saw it in that, let us call it China-driven super cycle, what we had roughly 10 years ago. So this, the fundamentals are quite solid in it. And it's all over the commodities because when you go more digital, when you go more electrical, it's not only one element which is important. It's the whole variation. And that is really the positive in it. Okay, thank you. And just related to that, so, you know, you use the word super cycle in, in the press. There have been reports that we might be in there. I was just wondering if you could tell us how your customers are communicating about what they're expecting in terms of demand and, and whether it differs meaningfully from what you just said. Uh, and then also, you know, if, if maybe if you could comment about the capacity utilization at your customers' mine sites, you know, are they capable of expanding production by, say, 10% with their existing sites, or would they need major greenfield projects to be able to cater to you know, a significant upswing in demand? Yeah. At first, I only used the word supercycle for that what happened at the end of the 2000s and up to 2011, maybe 12. Not for this growth cycle. We are not a big fan of that wording for that what happens now in mining. I will not use that word for that. Second, uh, you had the question before regarding what we had in the backlog and to show that how solid that is. We had in the super cycle significant more larger projects in the backlog. We are today more a service and a product company, significant more a service and a product company than we were 10, 15 years ago. So our backlog is more, how to say, fragmented in smaller orders and not into very, very large, uh, a lot of very, very large orders. Then regarding the subsupply, um, the supply chain subsuppliers, we don't see a shortage of that. We have a very agile supply chain. Uh, we track, of course, price increase, price decrease, currency variances, and so on. And we can maneuver very quick from one country into another to get supply from there. So we have no uh, sign of any bottleneck in the supply. And we don't see that if the business comes back and that how we see it coming back, that this will be an issue. We don't see that. The only disruption what we have in the supply chain, and that actually since the beginning of the COVID outbreak, is on the logistic part. When we have to cross borders or we need capacity on container ships and so on. That is where we, um, where we have to, to look into how to organize that. But that's at the moment really not a big thing for us. So sub-supply chain is not an issue for us. And we have actually a good argument in it. Not only that cement has a lower uh, business activity, our uh, supply chain financing is on a lower point because most of our suppliers agree with our payment terms. 
And that's all okay. It's a good indicator. Okay, thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Christian Johansson from Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. So, as I understand you, this window in the second half of March in Latin America is, is primarily what boosted your mining services orders. But is that also what can explain the uptake in the medium-sized mining capital orders? Partly, yes. Partly, yes. Definitely. But we had in the order intake, when you look into mining, we had a larger uh, capital order in it, around 200 million. Not to forget about that. There was an, as you know, that always comes in, yeah, uh, lumpy, as we always say. Not a, actually a nice word, but it comes like that. And then, of course, the opening up or shutting down, of course, opens time windows to get then capital orders, especially if it comes to smaller equipment to help here and there quite quick. So I can make it like that, Christian. The, uh, the order intake was better in the quarter one than we foresee it, slightly better than we were foreseeing it. Revenue, profitability, product mix, and so on, actually more or less in line with that as we expected and as we see the full year. And just to clarify, these restrictions have been enforced again, so this this window was, was closed in the beginning of April? Yeah, partly. The, the problem is I can't give you country information because we have some miners still keeping it open and some actually earlier shutting it down. It's actually side by side, customer by customer. It is quite a, quite a detailed view what we have to have, and we have that. Oh, I understand. Um, then my, my second question on the gross margin improvement year and year, you state both this capital service mix and your business improvement uh, as the reason for it. Can you quantify how big a proportion of the margin improvement co- is, is coming from your business improvement initiatives? Uh, no, we're not uh, we're not quantifying that, but it's a it's it's a mix. It's a fair mix, uh, Christian. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. It's 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 quite beneficial to our gross margin when our service business, relatively speaking, is higher, and uh, and also we had significant uh, uh, run rate impact Q by Q from the uh, business improvement cro- uh, program, both on gross margin level and also on SGNA. So. Yeah, fair, fair mix. That's how I will say it. Fair enough. That's, that's, uh, that's fine. Uh, great. That was uh, all for me. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Lawrence Hergard from ABG. Please go ahead. Thank you, Thomas and uh, Olin, for the presentation and uh, taking the questions. Uh, my first one is in terms of the mix of the large and small orders in the mining capital orders, uh, where we see there's quite good growth in the uh, in the lower parts of the size of the orders. Uh, and here you're flagging that there's some stocking effects in Latin America and in India. Could you talk about the timing from order to execution? Can you confirm if the orders needs to be executed faster than normally uh, due to the stocking effects? Yeah, if it comes to service, um, 
the normally you can say uh, when you get a service order in average you take a quarter roughly to realize it into revenue if it comes to smaller capital orders two three quarters if it comes to larger four and more quarters that's roughly the line then you put the layer of the covid above it that means uh, when a customer sees now i can open up then um, i open the gate come in then of course we try to do it faster that's clear and we try to be prepared for that um, what we up uh, to now actually could prove that we are um, what you what you should be careful in the first half of the year is to use the normal business operandi in it that the normal way from one for example in aftermarket one quarter to the next you get it realized into revenue because it really depends that we can go there otherwise it's not revenue otherwise it's not in that's very important then regarding um the uh, the smaller uh, the bigger amount of smaller orders it lies actually a little bit in the nature of the operation of mindsets why we saw that movement of course we have very competitive offering that's number one. number two is what we offer is productivity improvement which means we help our customers to produce more to go on to supply more and at the moment there is more demand than supply so they really do everything as much as they can at the same time smaller investments smaller capital units need less or create less disruption in the process flow on the mine side because you stop for a shorter time when you replace a pump a crusher a screen a part of a filter press and so on then refurbishing a whole line and that helps the clients to go on to supply a lot that explains um the significant higher share of smaller orders too and last but not least we are very vocal towards our customers if you do this then you get that improvement in percentage we can calculate that and they can make quick decisions if that works or not and smaller investments they can locally decide they don't need big board decisions and so on that all together is a part of that explanation why we saw a significant better what we call base order situation in quarter 121 then quarter 1 2020 and just to follow up you mentioned two to three quarters is let's say a normal business cycle where you deliver a, or you or you gain an order and so you execute on the order and gain revenue on the smaller orders two to three quarters in these very unordinary times what would you say it was now oh, that's uh, you have to ask me by country and partly by my inside it's very difficult to say it's really difficult to say but when we so calculate it in- there's a big spike in india Yeah India is uh, a problematic area that's that's South definitely America in given. terms of the smaller orders. Yes, it Latin America in the second quarter will have a challenge. That is what we see. And that's not a surprise because we we thought and we saw that up to the mid of the year the pandemic will have a significant impact. Okay, that's very clear. And then my second question was on the Heidelberg cement order that you mentioned. Here there is a uh, here there's an element of carbon capturing, which is something that you haven't really talked about uh, too much before, but we're hearing from many customers that this in carbon capturing it will be a large part of the capex in order to reduce CO2. How are you looking at that uh, part of let's say the industry? Uh very positive. It's part of the sustainability 
it's carbon capture, capture, it's clay calcining, it's the overall CO2 improvement. You saw the European taxation um, with 50 euro talks out of countries in the south of Denmark, now 60 to 100 euro coming up. And when you then see the profit level on the cement industry, for example, in Europe, then it will get problematic for our cement customers in the future. And we see with the legislation coming up, um, less and less possibilities to have exceptions of these kind of uh, taxations. What does it mean? Customers seek then, and we already, whatever we do in cement is already related with sustainability. They seek for solutions to get the CO2 down. And carbon capture is, of course, an element in it. Where can we contribute in it? We are actually specialists in uh, relation to cleaning gas and cleaning systems and working with, let's say, hot environment. No matter if it's the clinker, that means hot material or hot gas. And that, of course, is for carbon capture in some areas quite beneficial. And we extend that offering and the partnership and the work together with other companies fully focused on it. Because we are not in drilling. We are not in the storaging of CO2. That's not where our expertise is, and it will be not. But we offer technologies to make all these things easier and simpler. And that comes out of cement technology. This is really close to our heart, part on the core part, uh, core business what we have. Do you, do you suspect that you will get more similar orders in the carbon capturing market like the one you had in Heidelberg cement throughout 2021? We think, let's see if it's 2021, um, but we see that this is an area where we will get more orders, definitely. Um, there is, when you look into the startup range, quite a lot of new ideas what to do with CO2. And as more has come, as more we can contribute. That's very clear. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Robert Davis from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you for taking my question. My first one was just trying to get a little bit more color between your typical contributions from smaller versus bigger projects. The reason I ask, obviously, you mentioned a couple of times site access issues and being able to more easily install some of these smaller pieces of kit. Just if you could give us a little more color, maybe specifically on this quarter and then versus what you typically see. I know it's very hard to pick big orders, but just on average, how, how big a proportion of your business would typically be uh, small installations, quick project, a quick kind of work around rather than sort of a bigger project or a bigger installation on, on a typical quarter? Thank you. Yes. The, um, on, on, a, on a quarter, it's especially with larger projects, not a real fair comparison because uh, it's a too short timing. But we gave on the Capital Market Day in, in 2019 that our ambition is to have the large uh, capital business in total for the group below 20%. The large orders, that is our ambition. And that we want to be in the north of 50% with the aftermarket and everything what is in, bet in between is product business, what we call then the base order part. So that's roughly what we run for. It is company intention since very long time um, that we decrease the dependency on large projects. Then regarding the, the contribution on it, uh, of course it's clear that the aftermarket is the most profitable part. 
and it's clear that the large projects are the least profitable. The reason for that lies in, um, in the large uh, project business what we get. There's a lot of external into it, which is normally on a significant lower margin than our own stuff. And that makes the overall profitability lower. And then it's clear that when we go into base orders and smaller capital orders, that the profitability lies in between the projects and the aftermarket. That's roughly, roughly um, how we see it. But it's impossible to say on a okay. quarter because if you get one large order in or not, it makes a hell of a big difference. Yeah, no, I, okay. Yep, I understood. Um, and then just, um, you've referenced a couple of times the sort of uh, catch-up effect in, in the quarter. Just be kind of interested in a couple of angles on that. So I guess, is it fair to assume you, you're assuming a sort of normalization into the second quarter after that catch-up effect? You mentioned it was only sort of mid-March you really started to see that coming in. I just wondered if that had uh, continued into um, April and I guess we're only um, not far past April now. So I guess did that sort of catch-up effect continue at all into April? I think, uh, I don't know, catch-up effect. I think we used the word uh, restocking uh, in some of the regions. And so, so that's one thing. And, and to the extent that it was restocking uh, just before a shutdown in Chile and Peru, it would be fair to say that yeah, it, it, April will then be, you know, correspondingly lower. Or may also, <clears throat> but what we're also saying about the queues is that you know we're moving sideways. So uh, a Q2 uh, on on activity level equal to uh, Q1, maybe slightly higher, would be fair to assume. Okay, thank you. Um, and then my final one was just, I guess the long. You mentioned obviously there's a more mid-term um, recovery trajectory in cement rather than short-term in mining. Just be curious, has, has there been any sort of change of view around holding on to that mining business? I know you obviously you mentioned the release you were in discussions with Tesson around their mining assets. Is that should we should we take that as an indication that you're kind of you know trying to double down on mining and potentially get out of cement, or just it's a good opportunity to sort of push forward on the mining business? Just be kind of interested in the latest thought process around uh, cement, given the kind of longer term horizon before you think that business is going to uh, do do better. We are very happy to have cement business in our group. We have a lot of synergies between mining and cement. And actually, in the, in the pandemic, actually, it's uh, more than proven what the synergy effect is between the two. What we say in cement is midterm recovery will come, and it will be the highly digitalized, actually more high-tech, uh, sustainable green cement where we are after. There, the competition is significantly lower. It's not a mid-market business. It's not commoditized and so on. It has a lot of very positive elements. And I gave a few months ago, and I stick with that, or we stick with it, we see cement being in the future a multi-commodity industry where clay and other secondary and tertiary resources will play a bigger part uh, in it. And limestone will be still a part of it, but others will come up, and that makes it that complex that it's actually high-tech needed to make a good business for our customers. Um, so from that point of view, the outlook is good. But of course, we use that crisis for getting the business profitable again and on the other side to position it there. And I said it before, it is very important to understand when you reposition a business that you are not only opening up new avenues where you can 
um, offer something, you have to shut down or to let go other things where you don't want to play in it any longer because it tracks you down in your new avenue. And that is exactly uh, what we do with the salmon part. And in mining, it's a short-term recovery because all the fundamentals are so much on green as I never saw it since I'm here in Eiffel Schmidt, which is already more or less exactly eight years, which is great. But as I said before, the miners have to reprioritize their, their task list away from the pandemic, what they will do if pandemic is not that big issue any longer, as well as looking into how to have a sustainable, long-term related higher supply into the demand what we see coming. And that will trigger a lot of investments, especially in the processing side. And it sounds very bullish, and it is, because processing is a big, big impact for depleting ore grades, more sustainability regulation on it. This is the field to play in in the long term. This is where the growth cycle will play a lot. That's our clear belief. Okay, that's, uh, that's great. Thank you very much. Our next question is a follow-up question from William Ashman from JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for uh, taking a follow-up. Um, I just had a sort of question on on input costs and your ability to sort of pass those through to miners. I mean, given miners are much more focused on on costs currently versus sort of prior cycles, I'm just wondering how that how that dynamic um, works with you in your in your projects and products. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, at f- uh, at first, customers, especially the mining customers, are more focused on getting a technology which helps them to fulfill all the regulations than on cheap supply. That actually changed. And I have good, some good examples. You remember five, six, seven years ago, um, there was a lot of talk uh, that the miners only will source in China and very cheap and so on. We see actually that the miners are looking for the original, the OEM suppliers, the original suppliers. Why? Because there is a clear understanding if it comes from the original supplier as a whole life cycle uh, approach that it's better for the return of the miners. It's more sustainable and the whole system, the whole mine system, the whole value chain operates more solid. Then we see another trend, uh, a so-called defragmentation trend, not to give um, a new investment to 20, 30 different suppliers, if possible to two. Because the learning out of uh, the last few years and actually out of the super cycle is as more interfaces between you, you have between different suppliers on the same uh, line, as more problems you have. And that both actually works in favor of the few premium suppliers what we have in the industry. If that helps, William. Okay, very clear. Thank you. Our next question is another follow-up question from the line of Magnus Cooper from UBS. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, one of my questions was actually on the cost inflation, so it doesn't seem like you will see any material headwind from that. And most most of the companies talking about Q3 as a peak uh, cost inflation quarter. Is that is that something that you would uh, call out as well, or is it immaterial for you as you see it now? Uh, we see that, 
with definitely higher commodity prices always triggers than higher uh, sub-supplier prices, that's, that's clear. And we are prepared for that. And of course we do, as other premium suppliers do too, trying to bring that into uh, the pricing towards the end customer. And you saw on our keynotes for the quarter that pricing beside customer cost and cash has a very high importance. Um, what is important in that is we are not under pressure regarding supp uh, sub-supplier capacity. And that, of course, helps a lot. The picture would look different as we see it as far as we can with our limited knowledge in other industries where they talk about uh, bottlenecks in the sub-supply line. And then, of course, um, you have a problem with your own a cost structure and maybe how to get that towards your end customers into a price increase. Here in our business, in that how we are built up with our agile sub-supply and supply chain, uh, we don't see these bottlenecks, so we are not under pressure. Um, of course, we see the increase, but if one of our suppliers, let's assume theoretical, gets out of line completely, then we switch over to another one. That's the way it is. And we are, especially here in Denmark, quite debated regarding our, regarding our sub-suppliers. We see it like that. You are part of the family. You go with us in good times and you go with us in bad times. If you don't want to go with us in bad times, don't walk with us at all. And that's exactly how we see it. We are not, um, how to say, inert and not touchable in it, but we think that we can manage it as good as it is possible. Perfect. Thank, thank you so much. And, and here's the final one. If you could uh, refresh our memory a little bit on what you saw on uh, temporary cost savings in Q2 last year and how much of those you have retained uh, just exclusively on the, on the temp, um, temporary working and specific actions that you took that will not be with us in, 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 into the second quarter just to get the baseline right on, on, on that side. These are the questions what we really... <laughs> The, uh, the one, Q2. But, but I, maybe exactly. I can answer this way. We, yeah. we ran our business improvement program and, uh, and the run rate impact was, was, was full up and running out of Q4. So we can assume that, that everything that we did then is now full, uh, full run rate uh, included. Okay, got it, got it. And, and, and on the temporary side? Before the... Short-term working as well? Short-term working. But that is, uh, I'm not quite sure that's before my time, but that is pretty much activity-driven, right? So, yes. so to the extent that our activity level is, is, is down, we can assume that, that these costs are out, out of the system. And if it comes in general okay. to the cost... Thank you so much. Um, uh, if, if it comes in general to the, to the cost, um, of course, as more... Uh, absolute amount of aftermarket business we have as more cost we drive because that there you need feed on the ground and so on that's clear too so there is in the capital product mix of course a, a cost element in it too and we we were very loud and clear over the last few years how that works and so on um, only to remind absolutely thank you that's very good thank you I remind you that if you want to ask a question, you will have to press zero one on your telephone keypad. We have a question from the line of Artem Takarenko from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. 
Um, thank you very much for taking my follow-ups. My, my first one is about uh, Tyson. Uh, could you maybe remind us about the most recent timeline um, and also progress on your conversations? Um, thanks a lot. The, the negotiations and discussions with Tyson Group are ongoing. We are still interested and they are uh, still interested to sell it. Uh, but of course, the timeline is uh, mainly driven by the seller not so much by the one who is interested. We uh, are very much interested to, to do things quick. That is what I can say. Uh, understood. Thank you. And um, in terms of um, the capital structure, I guess, if, uh, if such a deal will, will potentially require an equity raise, is this something you will be prepared to do? Uh, so in terms of the capital structure, it, it, if, if the question goes to how we will fund a potential deal, that is that is too too soon to to say. We still need to know exactly how uh, how valuation and so on will be will be ironed out. Okay, but I'm just trying to understand the third process. Like if um, if a deal like this would require an equity raise, is this something you will be prepared to consider? That's a no go for you. Well, I, I understand the, the question, Artiman. I think that was, that was the answer. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and my last question is around um, the large order deliveries uh, which you expect towards the year-end. Uh, I mean, considering that uh, a lot of industrial companies are talking about uh, bottlenecks in the logistics chain, uh, is this something which, um, which could trigger some postponement of those orders? How, how big is that risk? Yeah, the, regarding the postponement with the logistic, we see actually the main impact on the logistic based on the COVID restrictions. So what we look into is which area we supply, how is the COVID situation, and we know that can change overnight. And that is what we, what we then calculate in. What is actually the logistic restriction? It could be the overall capacity, what is available to go into that territory. If it's a restricted territory, it's more difficult. Uh, we don't foresee uh, with that what we have to supply um, actually too much a problem with container capacity or so um, because we have a relatively long working time on it when we supply. We know that early enough to make it like this. Um, what we have as restrictions or as, a, as a, what can happen from a negative point of view if pandemic would hit such a larger delivery is if the custom service offices are not uh, properly um, um, set up uh, to deal with uh, going over the border uh, of a country with the goods. Or it could be that if we need special equipment to load or unload, and then we can't keep the timeline based on having problems at the border by not uh, getting uh, clearance on that what we would like to supply. And these are normally the things where we have to look if that works out in a quarter or not. We see from customer general behavior, that's the reason why I bring that up, actually with these um, uh, loading and unloading tools, there's always more trend to finalize delivery towards the end of a quarter so that they can close their books too. And um, if there's no pandemic, actually we can perform quite well, spot on, as the milestones are. If there is a restriction, then it would slip over into the next quarter. We can give more information on that if we are more into the year. It's a little bit too early to say. Uh, understood. Thank you very much. Thank you.
There are no further questions at this time. Please go ahead, speakers. Okay, then I would say thanks a lot uh, for a lot of very good questions um, here on our quarter one uh, webcast. We wish you all stay safe wherever you are and hope to see you soon in person uh, in the near future. Takes care. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. You.